Welcome to the Fuck Saving Face podcast, where we're empowering mental and emotional health for Asian Americans and beyond by breaking through taboo topics. Life may not always be pretty, but it is indeed beautiful. Let's make your story beautiful today. Welcome to June. Today we're doing a mindfulness episode, and for a lot of you who are parents, your children are probably getting out of school, getting ready to start their summer breaks. If you're like me, then you probably enrolled your child in many, many summer camps. My daughter and I actually just recently got back from Arizona. We went to Tucson, and I'm so grateful that we did. Thankfully, it wasn't too crazy hot. We were actually able to visit with a couple of our friends who drove down from Phoenix. I wanted to get away from the June gloom here in San Diego and we were able to go to the incredible Biosphere 2, which if you haven't been, it's now run by the University of Arizona. Super fascinating. I don't know if you remember about two decades or so ago, eight scientists who chose to enter into this biosphere for two years, you know, not being around friends and family, being only around the other scientists to see if they could replicate life on Earth in this dome. And it was huge. They actually created a whole entire ocean. They created a whole entire rainforest. But what I learned while I was there is that unfortunately, they also weren't producing enough oxygen. So they, the scientific, you know, board or whoever was running it at the time decided that they should pump oxygen in there so that the scientists could survive essentially, but they didn't tell anybody about that. And because this was such a focused kind of story in the media, having that oxygen pumped in there basically, you know, ruined a lot of the scientific results because the whole point of this was to see if we could create life as we know it somewhere else, potentially another planet, if everything were to go to shit. (laughs) Um, And, you know, now it's a research facility, which I think is fascinating. And I have a great connection to the ocean, although that did shift when I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. Um, She is a Capricorn. So I don't know if it was something about that, you know, earth sign within me that it kind of shift because prior to that, the ocean was everything to me. But I still have a deep connection. And I remember when we were watching a nature show recently, that they talked about how the coral was dying off and it immediately caused my daughter to cry. And at the time she was probably about six. So, you know, having this visceral reaction to seeing what we're doing to the planet, um, I have a deep, deep respect and love for the planet that we're on. And it truly does hurt my heart to, you know, see what it is that we're doing to the people on it, to the ecosystems that are on it. And I'm one of those people, I don't know if you're also this, and I also don't know if this is from my Asian upbringing, but I wash all the Ziploc bags. I reuse everything. I try to be as non-wasteful as I possibly can, partially to just preserve this planet to help future generations, but also just to be cognizant that there's so much that, you know, we potentially don't need. And having moved around so much internationally, restocking a house and then kind of just selling everything, living in a van, um, I feel like the minimalist way is definitely the way that I have been living. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about is while we were in Arizona. So I took my daughter to this very touristy, you know, I thought it'd be super fun. There was kind of this Ferris wheel, old school, Western themed steakhouse and the whole shebang. We watched like this gun shootout show with these stuntmen. 
But while we were there, you know, it was designed in a very kind of gold rush era town. And there was this Chinese laundry there. And there were Asian statues and a bronze tiger and just the signs like Lee come, you know, whatever they thought was Chinese names, I guess you could say. So I had a feeling about it. And I said to my daughter, you know, like, I know that this is historically accurate that Chinese people came and played these roles, but in a way, to me, it feels a little bit racist. And so we kept walking and my daughter looked at me and said, Mom, do Asian people sometimes not get treated very well? And I was like, yes. And she was like, do, you know, we get treated not as well as like black people? I'm like, sometimes. And I didn't want to dive into even more of because we've been seen as white adjacent or the model minority myth that there have been certain quote unquote privileges or, you know, despite how detrimental it's been for, for our psyches and for so many different socioeconomic reasons, um, the African-American experience in America especially is much more challenging to me, in my opinion. And so I don't know if this conversation was sparked because um, the friends who came to visit us is my friend Lisa, who's a white woman, and her adopted son Jack, who's a black boy. We actually met them in Taiwan. She had raised him in Taiwan that entire time, and then they only recently came back to the States less than a year ago. So Lisa and I were talking about how she's always reading articles about how to raise a black son. You know, she's thinking about potentially moving internationally again um, to countries that are much more open, open minded, um, much more fair, much more normal, quote unquote, um, if there can be a normal. So, you know, when we were walking up to the hotel and my daughter was realizing that she was going to get to see her friend Jack, who she hadn't seen since we moved back. So it had been a few years. She was like, oh, I'm half Asian. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, and Jack is black. I'm like, yep, that's true. And so it was the first time that she had identified that they had, you know, color in their skin. But after this experience at the Western themed town, you know, I looked at her and I said, this is why it's important for us to speak up. And because she said, well, that's not fair, mom, that we get a, we get treated differently because the only thing that's different is the color in our skin. Uh, everything else, you know, is the same. And I said, yes, like biologically, we are 99.9 something percent the same, all of us, and we are all human. But it is important to speak up. And what a delicate balance to want to ha have her have faith in humanity and the potential for the future and the goodness that exists while also not pretending like she will potentially not experience microaggressions, outward aggressions, you know, injustice, um, all of the things that come with being human and being a human of a certain skin color or or wherever we are, or however it is. One of the things that I loved about Tucson also was that we did not feel like an anomaly. You know, while I don't think that we saw that many Asian people there, I definitely didn't feel like I stood out. And everyone was just so friendly and smiling and engaging. And, you know, it just felt to me like so much more of an accessible experience than I often experience here in North County, San Diego, where I live by the coast. And, you know, it's pretty homogenous here. A lot of this is to say that 
over the last few weeks, I also caught COVID a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, I healed from that and my daughter caught it as well. And she also healed from that. And it was such an interesting opportunity to take some time to reflect, to, you know, be disappointed that I was supposed to go to VCon and I couldn't go. And it just really shifted a lot of things that whole entire kind of like week, week and a half. I missed out on a lot of substantial experiences, both personally and professionally. And I feel like that whole ordeal, I guess you could call it. Um, and thankfully I was very blessed that plenty of people stopped by with supplements, medicine, Chinese medicine, food. It was just really remarkable, but it got me to feel very disappointed that I felt like I had worked so hard in my business, especially moving into Web3 and crypto, that I couldn't go to this conference that I'd pinned a lot of expectations on, you know, hopefully generating new business, learning what's happening in the industry, being in this exciting, dynamic time and space. And it forced me to really look at my achievement-oriented mentality. I actually reached out to a colleague and had a very honest conversation because she's also a woman of color. She's South Asian. And so it helped to have someone who understood the nuances of the pressures that were put upon us growing up for achievement, for connecting our value and our worth to outward demonstrations of success. And I just was so sad about it. So just disappointed, wanted to kind of give up and surrender, just felt like I had worked so hard. And then, you know, this curveball came in. So during that time, I really worked on decoupling my mindset from achievement to being. And, you know, I used to teach yoga a lot. And I would always emphasize how important it was to be rather than to do. And I aim to emphasize with my daughter as much as possible that her beingness, she is worthy as she is. There is no thing that she needs to do to perform so that I love her more. And there's nothing that she needs to worry about doing that I would love her less. And it's me learning how to parent differently than the way that I was parented because my upbringing was very conditional. It was very much based on you get this grade and then you might get some validation. And even then it wasn't guaranteed. So I just didn't understand why I was punishing myself and pushing myself so hard because inevitably I would always move the goalposts so that I would never actually take a moment to appreciate, enjoy any sort of accomplishment. So even writing my book, getting that published, having it distributed by Simon & Schuster, having it on Audible, this, all of these things just kind of just flew by because I moved the goalpost. I was like, okay, well, that's great. That's what I'm going to use to pitch my memoir and the manuscript that I want to get out there and get published. And even though intellectually, I have understood for a very long time that if I continue to do this, I will perpetuate dissatisfaction. Um, you know, I won't be content. It's been a hard kind of muscle to train differently in my mind, even in my body, my spirit and my soul to show up in a different way where achievement does not equal me. And 
again, as I mentioned before, I live in North County, San Diego, and I happen to be in a space where I am around potentially, you know, the wealthiest upper class socioeconomic class in the world in comparison. And so seeing these material possessions or comparing my insides based on the outside perception, despite how many times I've heard reality is different, that I hear the backstory and, you know, wouldn't want to trade what it is that I have and the problems that I have for what I've heard are other people's problems. We all are living with our own baggage and our own heroes or heroines journey. So we all have the our own path to traverse. But it still has been hard. And so I am now about to turn 44 this summer. And it's time for me to show up differently, especially because I recently heard my daughter beating herself up in the bathroom because she didn't get out of the shower in the time that she promised me and herself that she would. And just the level and the depth to which she was being very critical on herself just really broke my heart because I was trying to reflect, like, do I speak like that externally to her? I know internally people have always told me I'm so hard on myself, but I was hoping that I could break that pattern in that cycle and that that wouldn't get passed down to her. Seeing this outward demonstration in front of me, this acting out of this harsh, critical voice just really took me aback and made me realize how much more work I still need to do. Because as we parents know, children are picking up so much, whether we're being explicit or implicit about what it is that we're saying and doing and believe. So today's mindfulness practice is aiming to help you if you find yourself also similarly challenged in being achievement-oriented, to just take a moment, step back, find your worth and your value and your self-love and self-respect from a place that has nothing to do with performance metrics. It has nothing to do with the amount of money that you have in your checking account, with the possessions that you have, with the car that you drive, or any of those tangible materialistic things. It's a very much an intangible reflection of core values and finding that peace within yourself. So when you're ready, I encourage you to find a comfortable place to be. And if you want to be in stillness, then finding a seat or even lying down. If you're listening to this and you're moving and you just want to breathe with me, then breathe with me. Perhaps you're driving or you're walking or you're doing something else. And just take a moment to arrive within yourself. So observe how it feels to be within your body and within your being. Doing a quick check-in of where you are in your life. For me, during that time when I was recuperating from COVID and just having all these thoughts of all of these professional and personal experiences that I was not going to be able to participate in. The grief and the sadness and the disappointment were very heavy to carry. So perhaps there's something in your life right now where you're musing on it, where you're perseverating. Maybe it's a thought. It could be a habitual thought. It could be this feeling that you are so far from where you want to be. 
and the pain that that causes in you now. So when it feels in your heart space, in your stomach, in your head space, just overwhelming, take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. Let it all go. Bringing another breath in, a cleansing breath. And a releasing exhale. And one more time, deep breath in, fill yourself with spaciousness. And exhale, let every preconceived notion, expectation, desire, want, just release it all and let it go. So mindfulness is a practice. And it is a practice to learn how to move away from judging yourself based on achievements and goals to being able to simply wrap your arms around who you are right now and believing that you right here, right now are enough. That the simple practice of you breathing in and out means that you are worthy. You are taking breath. And you can take up space that you don't need to prove that you are worth loving by doing, giving, connecting, sharing, surrendering, serving. Instead, just being with yourself And knowing that right here, right now, as you exist right now, you are enough. This awareness and this truth may be hard at first to hold. It may feel uncomfortable. It may even feel ill-fitting. Like it's not real, it's not right, it doesn't belong. But just try it on. doesn't mean anything if you choose to subscribe to this belief or not you can let it go but just see how it feels to step into the belief that you are enough just as you are right here right now continue to breathe Continue to take deep, full breaths, filling up from the crown of your head to your toes. And as you exhale, exhale from the soles of your feet through the crown of your head and feel the cyclical motion of energy, of breath, of being. Your past does not dictate your future. And however your story began is not the way that it needs to end. The best stories in the world are filled with adventures and awareness, and you are on your adventure.
Continue to breathe. You are a remarkable person for being human, for showing up in this existence, for being vulnerable, for aiming to be authentic, for living and finding your own way despite or because of the influences around you. Continue breathing in and breathing out. Today's practice will be a little bit different because I'm going to encourage you to reflect upon your core values. This was an exercise that I did when I was feeling pretty devastated about realizing how deeply I was connected to achievement-oriented thinking and performance and being in that way. To really take a step back and acknowledge and honor the things that are truly important to me. These things are showing up as the best nurturing spirit that I can be for my daughter to experience that love and connection, that authenticity is important to me, that speaking up for those who do not yet feel strong enough to use their own voices, to speak for what's right, to speak for what's underrepresented, those are core values of mine. Connection, community, so there are things that are important to me that if I live true to them, I will feel more content, regardless of what happens externally, regardless of whether it means that I find a different type of work or however much I'm compensated, that if I do the right thing by what is right to me, I will feel aligned to my truth and aligned to my purpose and my beingness. And that it doesn't have to be attached to any sort of outcome. That right now, I may be doing the work to simply plant the seeds. And that in this lifetime, I may see the fruits of that labor. I may see the trees grow or the flowers bloom. Or I may not. And it may be for a future generation. But being able to plant the seeds that are important to me. To be in the wonder and the curiosity to be in the moment. These are elements that move us away from performance-based, achievement-oriented thinking and mindsets to find our center, our truth, and our groundedness. So as we come to a close of this practice today, I invite you to take a few moments to reflect upon what is most important to you. Where do your core values lie? Irregardless of what you were taught or what you believe society expects or what you think is right and just and good, what do you feel resonates as your truth? And when you're ready, you can press pause if you need more time or you can take a deep breath in with me and a deep breath out. And then you can gently float your eyes open if they were closed, coming back into this room, back into this moment. 
And I invite you to grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, and journal about anything that's come up. Writing down, letting yourself just flow with the thoughts and the words without judgment, just allowing yourself to process through what you just experienced, what you'd like to invite more of into your life to really ground within you as your truth and what you'd like to release. I hope that this was a helpful practice and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Want to support this podcast? You can do so in crypto. If you'd like to send your dollars, aka fiat currency, to me via the Cash App, which uses a super fast lightning network, I can convert it into Bitcoin. You can find me on the Cash App by typing in dollar sign Judy Tsui. That's T-S-U-E-I. But if you'd actually like to send me direct cryptocurrencies, email me at hello at fucksavingface.com and we can exchange crypto wallet addresses. More ways you can support the podcast are by sharing this with your friends, family, anybody you think might enjoy this. And remember to go get your copy of the Little Book of Tibetan Rites and Rituals at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Audible, or wherever you like to get your books. Make your story beautiful today.